Welcome to the Boxing Life Podcast. Now, this episode is unbelievable. We've had a ton of guests on the show, as I'm sure you know, and there's never been a time that I can think of when as soon as that guest has left the building where me and Glenn's like, we need to get him back on as soon as we can. And Glenn's even saying, we need to get him on every month. This, this guy's amazing. We absolutely love the show and we wanted to keep talking and keep talking, but we, we couldn't because of time. And the reason why we love the show is because of the value that we got from it. I really believe that what I got from Andrew, who was the guest, uh, will really help change my life for the better. It's going to make me more productive. It's going to help me reach my goals. It's going to help me in so many ways, and I'm sure it can help you too. So the guest on the show is Andrew Huberman, who was a professor of neuroscience and a lab director of Stanford School of Medicine. Um, and yeah, he, he he works in the lab. He's doing research on brains and the human, obviously the human brain, and how how we can how we can help it. And like I say, he gives so much help and advice on here that I know it's going to help me, and I know it's going to help you as well, which I'm sure you're going to love. And this is only the second time that I've met Andrew, and I've really now I feel like he's my mate, and I've got a, I've built a, like a relationship with him, and. Yeah, he's, he's great, and I'm sure you're going to love this episode. Now, real quick, if you need an excuse to come to Los Angeles, an excuse to come to California, now you've got one. April 25th and 26th, Glenn Holmes and myself are teaching a Box and Burn Academy, our certification course, Level 1 and Level 2, which is going to be amazing at the Box and Burn Gym. So you can check out BoxandBurnAcademy.com, use code... FB20 to get 20% off. Also, we're doing an event that we've never done before. It's a mentorship day where you're going to work alongside me and Glenn for the full day, talking business, online courses, branding, social media, building your brand, creating a podcast. So many good things uh, happening there. And as well, a quick note, if you are level two Box and Burn certified, we are doing a level three course, May 31st. That's just been announced. Anyway, here it is, the Boxing Life podcast with Glenn Holmes, Andrew Huberman, and myself. Enjoy. Welcome to the Boxing Life podcast, where we talk about everything from boxing to business. Fighting Manny Pacquiao is, is an experience. It's not a fight. Mindset to money. I, I think any business, you have to make it someone's third place. Speaking to some of the world's most interesting people. So that would be considered an example of a biohack, where I'm hacking my biology. From Sutherland, England, now living in Los Angeles, California. You put him in the ring with me in his day, and I'm talking his best day, and I'm 50 right now. I will knock him out. Here's your host, 2008 Olympic medalist and former undefeated professional boxer, Tony Jeffries. Andrew, what's happening, mate? Great to be here. Thank you for coming on the Boxing Life podcast. We met the first time last week and we sat down for, I told you Glenn, we sat down for two hours and we just spoke. And I can't remember the last time I spoke with someone for two hours and I was totally engaged in the conversation. Right now, I'll speak to someone for two minutes and I'm normally, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're the same. Including Glenn's me. Same. Yeah, yeah, that Glenn. when he speaks to me. <laughs> And I was just so interested in just about everything you had to see. And a lot of it was because you were giving me value. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, I've already done the intro, but what, what, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So doing. I'm uh, 44 years old. I'm a professor of. Very good looking. <laughs> I would say, right? If you think that, tell him. Yeah, I do. <laughs> kind of you. Um, I'm 44. I'm a professor of neurobiology and ophthalmology, Stanford School of Medicine. And, um, you know, basically, I've spent my entire professional life uh, and school life um, training to be a neuroscientist and running a laboratory. Um, got into it when I was got into it seriously when I was nineteen, and so professionally, that's what I know. That's what I do. Yeah, uh, neuroscientist. Uh, so obviously, you're you're very smart because if you think of anyone who does something with the brain, you automatically think, "Wow, he knows his shit." And after speaking to you, I really I, I know that you that you really do. You work in a lab most of the time. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. So I, I direct a laboratory. I've got you know PhD students and postdocs and technicians and whatnot. I do a little bit of teaching. 
Um, right. So I teach undergraduates uh, about how the brain wires up and brain regeneration, and then I teach medical students neuroanatomy. Right. Uh, and I do a bunch of public education. But yeah, research and education about the brain and what it does, and that's what I'm about. Yeah, the brain, and people who listen to this podcast regularly, they know that I'm very interested in the brain and, and the way it works, and a big thing for me is the damage that it's done, that boxing's does for the brain, right? And uh, one thing I was surprised with you was when you told me that you well, you love boxing, and that's part of the reason why we connected, and as well that you sparred, you used to do sparring. Do you not worry about the damage that it's done to your brain, or that it would do? Yeah, so uh, I do love boxing. I did some Thai boxing when I was younger, uh, and then it's been about five or seven years of you know where I was training hard and, and sparring about once a week. Right. Um, I was in my thirties, and uh, yeah, I took you know no head hits is better than taking head hits right. for sure. I'd never re- you know never been knocked down, never been knocked out. Um, probably suffered a few concussions here and there. You know, it's a it's a complicated trade off. You know, you know I've uh, have talked about this, and you you know this better than anyone, but. Um, you know, I wasn't a professional fighter. I had no aspirations of being a professional fighter. For me, the training and the ability to calm myself under con- physical conditions of real danger were yeah. val- felt of value to me at the time. And I feel fine um, cognitively and mentally. But, you know, I won't lie. I think, I, you know, I probably did take some some damage. I think uh, you there's, you know, it's a... Uh, you can't be a swimmer and not get wet, you know? Right, yeah. There's just no way, you know, I'm definitely not the first person to say that, but there's just no way. And so one has to compare the, the benefits to the risks. And I do think there are tremendous benefits to martial arts and combat sports. But uh, these days, because my lab works on brain regeneration and other things, I, you know, I'm very interested in how, you know, we can regenerate the brain, how we can keep it young and healthy. And um, but I'll say, you know, some of the greatest greatest moments of my life, some of the closest relationships were developed in a boxing gym. So right. it's complicated. Yeah. You know? If you think that's what I was going to say, like the benefits of boxing and training and even sparring, if it, as long as it's controlled, the benefits far outweigh, in my opinion, the getting taking a few headshots. Like because, like you said, the regeneration of the brain, it's going to regenerate itself. It's not like you're going to be doing this for like 70 years your entire lifetime getting punched several times a week like people even professional fighters who are sparring and putting rounds and rounds of sparring in by the time they're at like late 30s early 40s they're done right so their brains can, can they still regenerate at that age they definitely can regenerate you know there's certain uh, forms of damage bleeds and things that yeah. are going to create permanent damage and then there's um, but there's a lot of capacity to regenerate the brain and yeah. to what we call neuroplasticity, the yeah. brain's ability to change. And we could talk in depth about what, what that is and how to get that. You know, I'll be the, you know, I don't think that people should be taking head hits from any sport mm-hmm. unless they really know what they're doing and they want to be there. You know, and that's tough with kids, right? Because a lot of these sports kids start young and they don't really know what they're signing up for. Right. Um, Here's the thing, you know, if you had to pick, you would find a way that you could get that, the, the benefits of martial arts. And some of those that like are, you know, people kind of overlook this, but in, in boxing, right, there's an, an incredible ability that one learns to f- how to focus, mm-hmm. right? I mean, focusing for a three minute round is, is anything but trivial. Yep. And being able to do that in a way where, you know, you're in danger sometimes and you're learning to calm yourself. Yeah. and think clearly under those conditions, yeah. that's a powerful tool to export to other areas of life. Right. Right. It can, it can save your life outside of the gym, not even, even if there's no physical threat, right? I'm seeing that on a daily basis with the, you know, training clients day in, day out and start doing shoulder and body sparring with them. We're not, they're not taking head trauma. We're just doing shoulder and body mm-hmm. sparring. But once you start introducing that into their training, people love it and they realize like, oh, I can see it in them. Like the amount they have to concentrate, how much, like like you were saying, the heart rate's up. They're in a stressful situation, but they've got to learn to like breathe and stay calm and keep focused, apply skills. It's like they take that into their jobs, whether they're like producing a record or going and teaching a yoga class, whatever they're doing, like that's the benefit they've took out of that discipline. They can put that into practice in their own careers. That's huge. Yeah, and the other things that su- that support boxing, like road work, 
you know, doing a lot of cardiovascular work, the community around boxing, you know, um, where I live up in the Bay Area, you know, there's King's Gym, you know, it's mm -hmm. been there a long, long time, yeah. um, you know, famous for, you know, people like Andre Ward and yeah, others yeah. coming through there. I know Mr. and Mrs. King well, I sponsor some kids that, that train there and, um, you know, meaning I, I pay their gym fees so that they can do it. You know, people don't realize, but for a lot of people, especially in the inner cities, the boxing gyms are community. The parents come in there mm -hmm. and, you know, hang out while their kids train. They don't have access to the finances for a lot of uh, equipment. Yep. Um, and so boxing will always, I believe, have that role. Um, it's also a great workout. I mean, there are ways to really enjoy boxing and most of what boxing has to offer without sparring and yeah. fighting. And um, I think that every person can really benefit from it. Like you said, like like shoulder and body, body sparring. Now, I've, you know, you learn a lot about yourself in, in states of extreme stress, mm -hmm. right? And you can, and there really is no simulation for that. You know, one thing that I see a lot of these days is people getting excited about ice baths, mm -hmm. you know, and I've, uh, I know Wim Hof done some work with, with Wim and uh, there are other people, of course, who are doing cold exposure. The ice bath is kind of interesting because it's a, it's a way in which you can confront a real, like stress and an edge. Like nobody is immune from cold. Right. You know, nobody. Mm -hmm. You can get yeah. better at it. Yeah. But it's it. I see the ice bath as kind of a interesting um, way of making people confront stress. But let's face it: if you've boxed real rounds, which you both have, you know, far more than I have, um, and far better, I'm certain too. Uh, I can't say I was very good. I wasn't bad, but I, you know, I, I just think there's something in those moments of being tested where you find that but mm -hmm. yeah have i seen flashes yes yeah um you know i have i been hurt yes yeah. you know have i hurt the other guy yeah right, I, yeah, yeah that too <laughs> disclaimer yeah. disclaimer here we haven't paid him to come on and promote boxing, boxing <laughs> no no boxing. I, I, look i should say so on both sides of my my dad is a scientist my mother's father my grandfather was a nutritional biochemist right he was at cornell um back east and he also boxed in the army i grew up in a family where science and discussions around boxing were prevalent mm. and uh you know i grew up, grew up watching you know this was in the tyson era the holyfield era i you know i still watch the fight game one thing people i i think don't know is if you go into a boxing gym you're going to see some of the fittest and most clear-headed 70 year olds yeah. that you've ever met mm. because they're and their cardiovascular shape is amazing. You know, so much of longevity is just keeping the blood flow to your brain healthy. Yeah. yeah. On the yeah. other side, yeah. And you saying he's promoting it. I'm gonna. I'm, well, I'm not go. promoting. I'm just no, discussing no, no, my yeah, history. Yeah. With it, right. But so. it, it's, I, I'm gonna go the other way as well. You might see some clear-headed, fit seventy-year-olds, but then you're gonna also see some. 30 year olds who can't put a sentence together Absolutely. properly because the slur and the weird words because they've been punched in the in the face that many times you know yeah. and uh, what you've just said there glenn about the about the this you said something like this weird more the regeneration no, no about about this more the pro, more pros than cons about boxing where i think i might be on the fence with that. I'm, i might i might disagree with that and that's the reason why i wouldn't put my kids into boxing because even though i've made something of myself from boxing and I wouldn't don't know what I'd be doing if, if I wasn't boxing um, I, I see so many people boxing who's come away with it with absolutely nothing who's working in a building site now with a little bit of CTE who is who's not earning any money who's depressed who's drinking every night uh, who's talented anxiety. people as well right who've talented been people. doing it since they were kids exactly yeah. and yeah. these these, these Kids, some of them boxed for England, being national champions, and now the now they're in a horrible place situation in their life, and like it's not everyone. There is some seventy-year-olds who's getting through it, but sure. But but also the other end there's these there's these kids that are just not making it, and I think without uh, blowing me on trumpet here, I'm like uh, no point. One percent of the people who've come away with who's, who's mm -hmm. done something, you know, you've seen it, Glenn. Some yep. some of these boxes in the UK, uh, you you might have seen it. Like some boxes who've they've, now they've got nothing. Yeah, you know? yo, you definitely see people staggering around, losing their way home from the gym. Kids, where you you know, when I lived in San Diego, I was a professor in San Diego for a while, and then back up to Stanford. Uh, um, you know, I'd go. The fight culture down there was really intense. Uh, you got a lot of military there, and. Um, 
you know, I'm not a physician, I'm not an MD, but people knew I you know, work in the vision science world. And occasionally someone would come up to me with eye damage and like, I can't see out of the periphery of my eye. What am I doing? These are young kids in their 20s. Wow. And, you know, they're never going to make a dime doing it. And so I think the key thing is for me, what I took away from boxing was that the any experience where you have to feel that intense push where it's hard, something's difficult, is going to grow you. And so the question is, what are some things that people can do, young kids can do, that can grow them in the same way as boxing, football, yeah. um, sports where you know you could take damage but not have to take that damage? Uh, right. You know, reading books and you know getting serious in the university. I guess yeah. you guys call it uni. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, was look, it was every bit as hard as boxing. There, you know, I was I was an okay high school student, not terrific for reasons that are kind of complicated. And then when I decided to get serious at nineteen. It was like, I had a lot of catching up to do. So I'm reading hard books. I'm doing math sets. I'm doing things that are really challenging. My brain hurt. I mean, it was really difficult. And so I used to literally, I'm not making this up. I, I used to lock myself to the chair so that I wouldn't even get up to use the bathroom. So I would just keep studying the whole way through this before phones. So there weren't those distractions. Yeah. And your, your mind hurts when you're learning. Yeah. But we now know that that strain that you feel is actually the brain trying different combinations of solutions to things. That's that's your brain. That's healthy. That's healthy. That's plasticity. Yeah, that's, I didn't know that's that. That's learning. And so, so you I, can I, get that without risking head damage. You can right. do it in ways that grow you. It, the, the, but it's challenging because it's hard to create a community around that in the yeah. same way as getting a bunch of guys. Yeah, yeah. I was a, look, I was a, a young, point. rowdy, you know, mm -hmm. testosterone-filled kid. That's and, a great point. you know, I, I went to the gym to see my friends. Right. You know? that, that, just on that brain hurting thing, because I, I experience this quite a lot, like at night usually. So like kind of two like uh, halves to my day where it's like gym all morning, train people, train myself, whatever. And then afternoon, we'll work on all this stuff that you see in front of you on this board where we've got all these different tasks to do and we're thinking about marketing and copy and how we're going to promote this, are we going to do that? A lot of creative stuff, right? And a lot of logistical stuff and setting deadlines and all that kind of stuff. By the time I get back to my house at like 7, 8 p.m., I'm sore, like here, mm -hmm. like I'm tight in here. Yep. My brain is like physically feeling yep. it. So that's good to know, that, like that reassurance that that's like a, a good thing for your brain that you're feeling that yeah. that tightness. Because I always, I've always thought of it as like I'm doing too much, I'm exerting too much. Like my brain shouldn't be hurting. Like, you know what I mean? And I'll no, those try are and like calm those it are the down. mental reps that count. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about brain plasticity and how to make your brain better. I mean, there neuroscience has a lot to say about that. Yeah, I'd love to get in. Yeah. We're yeah, going to get into like I supplementation. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah. I just want to see one more thing about on the on the boxing front i didn't really want to come here and talk all about boxing but when you talk, talk about community now that is the best thing for 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 people you know when i when i started boxing when i was 10 years old all of the kids there just about all of the kids there come from rough neighborhoods rough backgrounds and when we got together we were like a family like a like like a, com a community of of brothers mm. you know and even now the kids who i grew up with when i was 10 11 12 all the way to 16 we all had some shit going on at home right but when you got to the gym that was forgetting about you were we yeah. your boys yeah. you were punching each other as hard as you could in the face yeah, yeah. busting each other's noses but then you you create that bond it was like your family away from your family you know and and that there is so so powerful and that is probably for for me one of the biggest benefits of of going to we going boxing for mm -hmm. for for kids. So I just wanted to see that as well. I've just been talking shit about boxing yeah. a little bit, but I want to see that now. Just yeah. to finish on that on the boxing stuff, like what you said about uh, people that are struggling now, aren't they? They're like talented careers and now struggling, and they've like had brain trauma or whatever it is. I I feel like it's easy to point the blame on boxing, but I would point to them. Because there are some people, like for example yourself, you've had that that ability to think outside the box and think like, right, this isn't going to last forever. I'm going to need something after boxing, right? Mm. You got that kind of business mindset and like something, you put it to use. Not everybody has got that skill. So it's like a skill in itself that you kind of have to learn and develop. Like, okay, I'm going to stop boxing at some point. I've got to figure something out after this and not everybody does that that's where they kind of fall down and i feel like boxing as a sport and as an organization and all that could do way more to tell to kind of push fighters into 
thinking, look, right, you're not going to do this forever, but let's start trying to encourage them to yeah. open gyms and, as, and cre- do as well. Teach what and we, all that what kind we of spoke stuff. about the other day was like, what was hard for me is like, boxers are used to these highs all the time. Mm-hmm. You go mm-hmm. to fight, you win, you drop, you win, you, then, then, you know, you, and you're at a highest of high. You're like, I'm guessing you're on heroin or you're on cocaine or whatever it is for that for that few hours after your fight. Yeah, it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. And then when you retire, it's like, uh, now what? Yeah. So uh, everything seems yeah. boring. Le- yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it is. So let me ask you if you have got much experience that with other athletes. It's not just boxing. I guess it's like so- soccer players, footballers, or basketballers when they have a game and it's like the best thing ever, and then they're, they're, they're like on a pedestal, the the star, and then when they retire, I've heard that. A lot of people go through depression because Absolutely. of that. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, perhaps a, a good way to um, discuss this in kind of the neuroscience terms is, look, so we have this chemical in our brain, dopamine, right? This is the, the feel-good chemical, and we all make it. Children make it. Adults make it. it dopamine is released in the brain. Anytime you're chasing a goal, or something outside of you, okay? Uh, like in the world. It could be a fight you have coming up in a year. It could be you wanna find a boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, depending on uh, what your life goals are and who you are. You want to do well on a school exam. Dopamine is what's secreted in the brain when you win. It's associated with reward, when you reach that goal. And nature wired us this way. You know, Mother Nature created these very generic chemicals that could be released in our brain in response to food, sex, winning in battle. We know this is, you know, winning money, uh, closing a good deal with a business partner, whatever it is. But Mother Nature is really clever because there would be no reason for us to ever move from our present conditions to some outside goal if we weren't motivated. And so what Mother Nature did was created this thing where dopamine is released in little bits as we chase a goal. And as we're thinking about that thing outside us, that finish line, that finish line, that finish line, then when we get there, we get a big rush of dopamine. And the the longer you've been pursuing that, and the more important it is to you, the bigger rush of, of dopamine, okay? You can bet that when your first child was born, you, you were flooded with this. Now, so that's great. It keeps us motivated and it rewards us when we get there. But then we return to a baseline that doesn't feel as intense, as good. Now, nature created a second reward mechanism, which is a chemical in our brain called serotonin. And that's released when we're happy with things that are in the here and now, not when we're chasing a goal. So when you hold your baby for the first time or in the morning when your kids run in and it's like, you know, daddy, daddy, you know, I guess they're British. So daddy, daddy, you know, uh, and they run in. You just feel great. You weren't thinking about anything about pursuing a goal. That's serotonin. That's feeling good in the here and now. And so when what happens to kind of circle back to these athletes and it's not just athletes it's people that are like all about medical school or all about science i see this in the scientific community too when it's all about something outside you Mm -hmm. and then you get there and you've compromised relationships you've compromised being a you know a high integrity person if people have done that and you look around and there's no source of serotonin no community no one there to really be with you then you feel depression and you think okay what's the next thing i need more money i need more uh you know success in my academic career i need more fights i need and so when you see people that are really balanced people that have healthy lives Mm -hmm. what you see is people that have learned to control the dopamine system in themselves and they also understand that there's another source of reward this serotonin kind of here and now thing so they work on relationships yep. they're not you know you get these people let's just use the the boxing gym as as an example you get people that come in and they are driven and it's like they have a fight and everyone kind of you know steps back they know they're on a path mm-hmm. right but if that person isn't also treating people decently you know eventually no matter how much money they make and this is also true for people who want to be neurosurgeons no matter how much money how much fame how much you know success and de- degrees and credentials they get or entrepreneurs if you aren't building really solid relationships, those people inevitably 
are unhappy and miserable because the dopamine remember it's all about things that are outside us yeah so and mother nature designed us like this for tens of thousands of years ago when we were in caves if we were just happy being in that cave we would never leave the cave and go find yeah. new food new mates evolve societies build boats cross oceans you know dopamine is what evolved us forward as a species yeah but serotonin and there's some other chemicals too that are released in our brain those are what those are the glue so that when you see somebody that you know well, your business partner, your friend, and it's just a quick hug or a handshake, you just look them in the eye, yep. you feel something, right. you feel safe. And so we were wired for this. And so my advice to anyone, whether or not you're pursuing an academic career, sports career, business career, is know that you have these two reward systems and make sure that you're taking care of them both. Really because otherwise mm -hmm. you will end up in a either a cold dark place yeah this is kind of the scrooge you know thing yeah. or or you you know people who are too focused on the here and now they they're they're not going to grow their life that yep. much so th that's those are kind of the basics of, of reward in the brain mm. and and again there's some other molecules too that are important that we could discuss um but i think if people can understand that like work on that serotonin system community and social connection mm -hmm. so powerful yep. for the immune system for brain health for well-being and you know and the dopamine thing be be ambitious you know i i, I mentor some some young guys uh, you know up where i live and i support these kids at the boxing gym you know be in pursuit of a goal but also take care of the relationships in your life it one without the other will you just won't make it so just on that a uh, point you mentioned about the ambition right it's so interesting that you that evolutionary reference that you gave so interesting because that's kind of what has got us here it was to be ambitious and pursue that next thing but now in the current time we're in we're, i feel like we're in an era of we've got anything we want on demand it's we're told from so many different sources we can pursue any career we want we can go and get anything we want we've kind of got everything that we want right so my question is like is, is is it harder to be ambitious now you think or is it, is it i think it's easier to be ambitious but i think that's at the detriment of a lot of people because the more ambitious you are and the more you pursue it and push that the harder it is to be good at the basics like have good solid relationships or you know just take care of the basic stuff right so i feel like the more we push the ambition and chase that dopamine as you were saying it's harder to balance the smaller things you know what i mean so i, I that's kind of well you need both you need both so i would say that it, you know it's there's a lot more available for us to pursue now you know the internet's an amazing thing right mm -hmm. the the you know social media is an amazing thing that we can you know know people from across the world share information what what's challenging right now is focus Mm -hmm. the ability to focus because ultimately you can anyone can pursue a goal whatever goal but you need to also have time to build relationships and do those things and some of my best relationships I developed in, while pursuing a goal you know for scientists I've had the benefit of amazing mentors and no scientists all over the world amazing colleagues great relationships so focus comes from a different molecule in the brain called acetylcholine think of it like a spotlight so when it could be if somebody's holding up mitts and then you say, okay, here's, gonna, here's the combination. And it's going to be one, two, three, blah, 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 you know, or it could be, you know, you're staring at a page of a book and you've got to read that page and absorb the information. Acetylcholine acts as kind of a spotlight. It's a lot like a microphone, actually, that goes between the neurons that are active mm -hmm. and makes that conversation in the brain louder than everything else. And is that and it, formed from choline itself? Uh, two separate things. Yeah, it's 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 a derivative of the precursor choline. Okay, yeah. Um, most of the time, though, our attention is kind of diffuse. It's kind of everywhere. It's like a it's like a light that you shine really broadly, and it's kind of dim light everywhere, or or bright light focused real real close. Yeah. When we are pursuing a goal, we have to, and we want to accomplish it. We have to be focused, and yeah. so by definition, by focusing on that, you're not focusing on other things. So, yeah. one, you know, I think one of the great things that in life is the ability to focus and pursue a goal. I think every kid should learn how to do that. It's so key. In fact, we are rewarded in life, at least monetarily and, and from a kind of academic and a business perspective, in direct proportion to how focused we can be. 
So when you hear stories of you know people who are immensely focused on what they can achieve, that's because they're very good at putting the blinders on to everything else. They're not paying attention to all the other things that are going on. Yep. So nowadays, and, and there's power in that, provided yep. that they can turn that off and switch to you know, also forming healthy relationships. When you yep. hear about, about whether or not it's entrepreneurs or tech people or actors or um, athletes, you know, where their lives are just crashing, I'm never surprised because their lives, they've been rewarded for being super narrow focused. Right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they weren't raised and, and they weren't uh, in a mode of, of being balanced, right? I just think the, the, the skill set too, right? They're so supreme, Absolutely. so, so um, abnormally talented at one thing that they've spent all their life just going, going, going. Sure. And they're not, they've built that talent level to such an extreme that's abnormal to anybody else, right? That like something as basic as holding down a relationship or going and getting groceries or mm -hmm. whatever it is, paying bills or something like that. It's like they they don't have a clue how to do that stuff. Paying taxes, like yeah, it's and a lot like of times never they don't have to because world. other people have been doing it right. for them. Yeah. But the but, minute that that that, that kind of stops or fades off, or they do have to focus on that stuff, it's like like you said, it's just a car crash. You know, it's like flawed genius kind of. So, so a couple of things, you know, one is that in, at least in, in America and probably elsewhere, we sell that dream. The dream is, you know, having it, the cars and the house and, you know, you've got all this opportunity and other people are going to handle all your stuff, you know, doing laundry, you know, and all this stuff that, you know, real, that's real life, you know, yeah. and a um, couple things about attention and focus. So there's a computer science professor at Georgetown, his name is Cal Newport. Um, and so I'm, I'm borrowing from some things he said, so credit to him. He wrote this book called Deep Work, where he really says, you know, we're rewarded mostly in proportion to how much we focused on one thing. And nowadays, because of everything being available on our phone at every moment, you know, Netflix and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all of it, right? Mm -hmm. we, uh, New York Times, everything, all at once, anytime we have given ourselves a little bit of an ADD. We tend to be a spotlight that kind of moves around like this. And I actually think that we're at a very interesting point in evolution. People forget that we're still evolving as a species, Yeah. right? We're being tested now for our ability to evolve. And I think yeah. the key differentiator in kids and adult and in adults is going to be who can stay focused amidst all this opportunity Big you know time. in the if you look at food and nutrition in the 40s and 50s in this country and probably in england as well most meals were home cooked and that kind of thing yeah people didn't go to restaurants unless they were very wealthy now you know in the 80s and 90s restaurants boomed people started eating everywhere it's like a giant buffet now we have the greatest obesity crisis ever in this country and abroad and what we're also facing is basically it's like a buffet of information. Yeah. So every morning when I wake up, and I struggle with this too, you know, I've got the phone there. I'm working on a book and it's like, there's the phone and I can yep. watch a Netflix special or answer Instagram and time just goes by so fast. It's like being at the buffet right. and it's like donuts and prime rib and turkey and and our, our circuits, our brain circuits were designed to just start grabbing these things up and getting yeah. little, you can get your dopamine from anything. Yeah. So it takes a lot of discipline. We're now selecting for discipline. Yeah. And I even see it with students. Um, I see it in myself. You know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm human. And so like for me, if I need to write or I need to read mm -hmm. or I need to learn something, I lock my phone in a safe. Exactly. Because so it's, it, it, it's, it's addicting, right? Yeah. Like, so we've had iPhone now for 10 years plus, right? Around 10 years it's been out. And for the majority of that 10 years, it was the rise of the notification and the multitasking. And we were like, this is fucking great, right? I can go on here and get that done. I can go on here and get that done. I can fucking pay this, do that, do this, play a game. And we were like, this is amazing, this is amazing. And then in terms of the evolution, like what you're saying, now we're in, and I read a blog on this on on Medium just a couple of months ago. We're in the age of the anti-notification now, where we're realizing that's not the best for our productivity all notification, 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 multitask, multitask. We're like realizing we're suffering because of that. Even though it started to be great, now we're starting to evolve into like, let's turn notifications off. Let's start focusing. Let's use this technology to make us more productive. And that makes me feel confident because people are always down in iPhones and iPads and keep kids off this, keep kids off that. Where it's too much. And I'm like, no, we're coming into that point now where we're starting to realize we're evolving over the last 10 years of learning, like we got to start focusing a little bit and now we're using it to 
kind of channel our energies into a better focus. I think. Abs- absolutely. I'll give you a tool. I'll give your listeners a tool. So for every moment that you can resist, like even if you just say, like you reflexively pick up your phone, if you can flip it over and set it down, there's going to be a discomfort there. Yeah. This is the dopamine <laughs> system waiting. It's anticipating. I want to look at my text messages. I want to look at that. Yeah. Now, I think the phone is a great tool because it allows people to communicate. But learning to control this dopamine system and your attention system, that spotlight of attention, yeah. is among the most powerful things that you can do. Yeah. And you don't have to go in and box rounds and get hit in the head in order to learn how to do that. You what you you don't have to become a, a neuroscientist to do that. What what it involves is committing to a goal like I'm gonna read one page of this book or I'm gonna jog one block around around one almost block. like create systems for yourself create right? systems but here's the thing so this is where dopamine is powerful you can make it work for you we're not just slaves to this the amazing thing about the dopamine system is humans we have this big forebrain in the front that allows us to place meaning on things so you can grow the feeling of reward the sense of reward that comes from any behavior any behavior so if you say for instance let's say somebody uh, wants to exercise more they put their shoes near the door. We've all heard of this. First, I put my shoes near the door. Then I walked around the block. Then, you know, then I ran a marathon, you know. But the key is to not just make it incremental, not just keep making small, little step, little step, little step. But when you reach one of those goals that you've set for yourself, you reward yourself mentally. Oh, yeah. This is key. And here is why. I'm adding a lot of molecules. There's a system in your brain that involves adrenaline because adrenaline's in the body released by the adrenal glands, but also in the brain. And when adrenaline gets too high, that's what forces us to quit. There's literally a brain circuit, we say, for quitting. There's data that were published this last year. Dopamine allows us to push back on adrenaline and keep going. There's, and you, I know you felt this in boxing where you're just like, you know, you're, it's going badly and things aren't working. But if someone can crack a joke like, or you can just laugh at it, or you you remember something that gives you a sense of power, like maybe the meaning in being there, whatever it is, you yeah. know, people work this out differently. All of a sudden you're recovered something, but think about it, you haven't recovered anything, chemically something had to change. Yeah. So if you can place your shoes near the door, or let's say I say I'm gonna, I'm gonna not look at my phone for 10 minutes the first thing in the morning. That's hard actually, right, yeah. for a lot yeah. of people. But if you can get to 10 minutes, don't just get to 10 minutes, pick up your phone and go, okay, now no, I'm back on it. Think, I actually am more powerful than anything external to me because I'm controlling the schedule. And what you'll notice is you feel a lift. You actually feel as if you're in control of your environment. This yeah. is what happens when you're winning a fight too. When you sit down at the end of a round and you're like, I'm winning this thing. You gain energy, okay? Mm-hmm. And so the this system of adrenaline and dopamine are always in play like this. And so... You can decide, I'm gonna read one page of a book and when I get there, I'm gonna reward myself mentally like, I did it, I'm yeah. mentally strong. And what you'll notice is, you can now read another page. Right. And another page. Oh, so yeah. the key is to self-reward with dopamine, not just make dopamine dependent on outside things and events. The more we are, we let the world dictate whether or not we get reward or not, the more miserable we're gonna be. Mm. The more we can control this system, not only will you be happier, but you're also in charge of the most powerful neurochemical in existence. It's it's remarkable. So with the rewarding, you just mentally rewarding yourself. That's right. right. So what so what I recommend doing is, and people you can also get this through gratitude. You know, we used to think of gratitude as this kind of new agey fuzzy thing, yeah, like yeah. oh, I'm just going to be really happy with everything that's here and now. But here's what's interesting. Did you just post something about this? Yeah. Yesterday? So I do some teaching on Instagram. Instagram. We yeah. can maybe provide a link for people. I just sort of share in yeah. neuroscience information. I saw that yesterday. It was really good. So gratitude is this very interesting thing of of deliberately focusing on the things we've got. Let's just think about how amazing it is that we're we can do it right now. Like how amazing it is that we're all in the same room here. You know, we're we're healthy. Yeah. We're in. We have food in abundance and fresh, clean air in abundance. If you really just concentrate on those feelings, 
even though that might kind of seem silly, what you'll notice is you get a bit of a lift. Mm -hmm. The same kind of lift you get from holding your child or from reaching a, a reward, so uh, a goal. This is serotonin release. From so this is gonna right, be dopamine right. release. Oh, really? Maybe okay. some serotonin too, but but most people are afraid, you know, tough guys and, yeah. and women are afraid of gratitude because they think it's gonna make you soft. Yeah. It's gonna make you just so happy with what's here that you won't need anything else. But that's not the way it works. It has this amazing effect of then making the outside world seem more like more willing to let you move through and, and reach your goals. And that's so because, so it gives you this lift that makes you feel more capable. Yeah. So when I see, for instance, like, and I endorsed this book because I really love his work, um, like David Goggins, for instance, right? Like when, when I see what he did for himself, you know, pushing himself, or I look at anyone who's really driven, there are other examples too, right? What I see is somebody who, is not just good at pursuing a goal, but they must have some internal mechanism that when they reach little you know, milestones in route as they go along toward that goal, they gain energy. You see this in the fight game more than anywhere else because it's physical. We can actually yeah, yeah. witness it. Yeah. When you're winning, you gain energy. And these are actually hardwired circuits in the brain. Think about 10,000 years ago, we were foraging for water. Right. And let's say we found a little stream, just the tiniest trickle. We're like, we're onto it. That gave us energy to keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so these are ancient, powerful in, mechanisms. In the fight game, you see it all the time. I like think someone's out on their feet and then they just like land a, a counter punch or whatever. And then uh, something ten, changed. 10 seconds ago, they were, you were like, he's gone. That's right. And then 20 seconds what, later, he's flying. <laughs> what I'm seeing from that when you're talking about the fight game, it's just reminding me of, of the Olympics. So when I was 16, I got put in an eight-year training program for the Olympics. And if it was just like, that was the one goal and it was eight years to get there it would be kind of impossible but along the way you had national championships you had multi-nations European championships world championships so you had all them smaller goals if you like yep which kept you going going that's kind of what you're saying right absolutely yeah. and so what I'm saying is because you said there's a lot of distraction you know in academics so I'm in the world of academics so medical school students take exams and graduate students take exams so they've got this incremental thing re, re, bringing them to a degree goal and all the time but for people who are out out of school what we need is to be able to self-impose these schedules and what I'm saying is that you actually have a lot more control over your neurochemistry than you might believe and by learning to control that that neurochemistry with your thoughts mm. and your behaviors right yeah. you got to still do stuff you got to read that book you got to go and you got to take that jog you got to go and find community by doing that you create a neurochemical system that gives you more energy yeah. now one thing i really want to point out is that the myth the fantasy is that one can do that without any feeling of agitation or anxiety here's the thing Anxiety and agitation are mother nature's way of getting us to move from the position we're in to another position. We think of stress as this terrible pathologic thing. And if it goes on too long, it's not, it's not good. But when you're pursuing a goal, the reason your heart rate goes up and you might even start trembling a little bit is it's trying to put your body into action. It's trying to move you forward. And so what in my lab studies things like fear and anxiety and stress, and we work with people with generalized anxiety and that kind of thing. And what you find is, if people who are feeling stressed can take a step forward towards something to go into action, mm -hmm. then they feel better because that's actually what it was designed to do. Now, it gets tricky when people start feeling stressed and they're just kind of paralyzed or they, you know, but it's going to be a little messy sometimes, right? Public speaking for a lot of people, challenging to learn, um, making themselves vulnerable, reaching out and making relationships and do doing that. But everyone experiences that stress. Yeah. and. Again, this agitation and stress were designed, this is a, it's adrenaline. It was designed to get us to move, to do something. And so this is where I think like, whether or not someone decides to do martial arts or whether or not they decide to do some other sport or it's not a sport at all, learning how to move yourself forward, even tiny bits and self-reward that process is super powerful. And then for the parents out there, there's an interesting one too. There's a famous study that was done at Stanford, um, not by my lab, um, where they looked at kids that like to draw. So that during the during the like recess period, the kids would, would draw. And they took the kids that always picked drawing and painting and, and for a couple of weeks, they started giving them a gold star when they would do it. And then just a gold star on, their, on the page. Then a couple of weeks later, they took away the gold stars. They just stopped giving them. And the kids that liked doing that, they liked painting, they stopped painting. 
They didn't paint as much because they thought it was for the, they now thought that it was the gold (laughs) star that gave them the lift. Right, right. So we have to, now you say, what do you do? We have to reward people when they do well. But the rewards we give ourselves are so much more powerful. And as you know, it can be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah. It really can. Yeah. You know, if the more praise and, and, and stuff that we get from other people, that's great. That's powerful too. It helps us. Yeah. But if we're if that's the only way we can feel good, I promise that trouble is coming for that person. Big time, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I've got so much I want to ask you and talk about, uh, but we've got time on, on what to do with this show. When we we'll talk about... we have to do um, episodes. Yeah, we we'll definitely will when, when the book's coming out. We, we uh, spoke about dopamine and serotonin. Is there a way, I mean, you've touched on it a little bit, wouldn't it be great if there was a way to get a dopamine kick off learning, off, off, off reading, finishing a book where I was like, I've just won a fight, it's the best feeling ever. Yep. Where if you could get that from self-educating or educating or give it to kids, where, when the kids... Do you not feel like you do? No, I mean... No, when, no, no, when, no. I, when I learn something or like I acquire a piece of knowledge or something that I can apply and that's going to help me... Yeah. But I get a massive feeling. No, like that. I do. Like when I left, if I'm just listening to a podcast or something, I'm like, "That's fucking gold." That I'm, I'm like, I'm on a high for like ten. Yeah. 10 no, when I left after. the conversation with Andrew uh, the other day, I was like, I felt really good, but it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, like a big massive high. It was like I think serotonin more. Like yeah, secret. like we we created a bond around some topics for yeah, sure. And there's and a, anytime can, there's anticipation of like, oh, we're gonna do a podcast or we're gonna you know or we're gonna train together or we're gonna learn you know, there's going to be some dopamine release. So you've experienced the extreme dopamine release associated with championship. Right. With championship. You know, like for me, I've never experienced that, but I've, you know, like the there are only two journals in my field, science and nature, that are like the top, 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 top only, you know. And, you know, the first time I got a paper in science, it was, it was huge. It felt, it flooded my body with that right. sensation. Now, my dad's a scientist and he warned me, he said, uh, he said, enjoy it, but just realize there's a downslope to that too. I think once you just understand that there's a downslope, they even see this in, in mothers that give birth. It's called postpartum depression because right. you're building up for nine months. You have this kid and and then, you know, the anticipation is over. Now you got to you gotta raise this kid, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And the milestones come through their walking and their healthy feeding and you're sleep deprived and all this. I think that there is a way to you asked is that wouldn't it be great the key is the self-reward yes look if tomorrow you can read a page in a book or two pages in a book and get some sunlight in your eyes we can talk about why that's a good practice to do before you look at your phone you can think to yourself you can just take a moment 30 seconds and just think how powerful am i to be able to push aside all these other distractions and even though it's a small win those small wins day in and day out mean that in Two years, three years, you've read a bunch of books. You're that much smarter. Your brain is that much more solid and healthy. You're creating ideas. And it's not just the ideas that you're conscious of. You know, when we read or we have even conversations like this, our subconscious will process it in our sleep. You know, these kinds of things. There are things that we can all do and should do for our brain health. Yeah. And I'm big, you know, I'm big on this now because I feel like for years now we've been hearing, oh, look, you if you want to be fit, you want to have relatively low body fat, healthy cardiovascular you know, great skeleton, you know, all that, you know, strong and flexible. You got to train for it. You yep. got to do something. You can't just sit there. But we also are now coming to the realization that if you want to be mostly happy person, you know, it's good to have some lows as long as you can bounce back from them. But if you want to be a, you know, person with a good mood, good disposition, able to think quickly, um, make good rational decisions, you got to work for it. Yeah. There's not no free lunch. Yep. You got to work for it. So we could talk about the practices that one does, but I do think you can grow this ability to release dopamine right, yeah. in your mind. Look, I, I always kind of revert to David because he's uh, people know you know, know who he is. But any um, person who's really driven, who is continually like on the ladder, I always just think when I'm doing something hard, that's cl- it's like climbing a ladder. You're on the ladder, and if you can start to reward the effort process mm-hmm. and think, and this is tough. And this is exactly where I need to be, right? Because it's bettering me. You will fundamentally change as a human yeah, being. Yeah, it's just changing yeah. your mindset, really. Absolutely. And I want I want to talk about um, about obviously we've spoken about the 
a bit of a bit about the damage that boxes don't your brain, but like recovery stuff. You're talking about sleep, and yeah. you've told me about L-theanine, what I've started taking. Glenn told me about that about six months ago, but because Glenn is not a because you're not a neuroscientist of Stanford, I'm not listening to yeah. a fucking word you're <laughs> saying. Just got skinny, this guy tells skinny me, tattooed next, legs from Blackburn. He ain't listening. Next to me. day, I get the shit, and now I'm now I'm, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's let's, let's talk yeah. about L-theanine. Let's talk about other other yeah. supplements that you that you've sure. recommended and the and the benefits with that. Yeah. So happy to talk about supplements. Um, I want to um, briefly, if, if I may, I just want to mention a few what I call just sort of foundational behaviors that everybody should be doing for brain and body health. And this is based on, I'm not talking five studies or 10 studies, I'm talking about hundreds of studies in humans and in animals. So most important, I would say for everybody is to get light in your eyes after waking up. Now, some people wake up before the sun comes up. Some people are in very dark regions, you know, northern Europe and, you know, winter and this. We could talk about how to deal with Natural that. Natural light. Natural light. Try and get some sunlight early in the day. You've got a window of opportunity of about an hour or two hours after you wake up to get some light into your eyes. You know, you don't, don't stare directly at the sun and burn your eyes off. That's not, you know, <laughs> we don't know how to regenerate your retina yet. So don't do that. But you know what I'm saying. Just get some sunlight. Take your sunglasses off. Get outside if you can. or Otherwise, do it through a window. And get two to 10 minutes, even if you're reading, even if you're talking to someone else, or even if you have to check your phone, do that and get some sunlight in your eyes. Why? It creates a, a pulse of adrenaline and some other things, a healthy dose of adrenaline and other things in your system that set your mind up for being wakeful and in high able to sustain attention yeah. to mental and physical tasks through the day. It's also setting the time in which you're going to go to sleep that night. So is that, is that from the vitamin D release? It is not from vitamin D. That? It's because, so you've got some neurons in your eye. They have a name called melanopsin cells, but that doesn't matter. They connect to your hypothalamus right above the roof of your mouth. Yeah. And the right above the roof of your mouth is a clock. It's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Doesn't Name doesn't matter, but it's a clock that releases a chemical into your body that tells every cell in your body it's time to be awake now. Right. Right. And it starts a timer that starts running down so that in the late evening and night, you're going to drift off into sleep. Right, right. So now, a lot of people, they can't sleep and they don't know why. It's because they're keeping it too dark during the day yep. and they got too much light too at night. Light so, that, so the first thing is get that light pulse. So okay? that's just purely just for setting that circadian rhythm, that's right. right? Get, so that's completely independent of vitamin D production. Yeah, vitamin D is a slightly separate okay. mechanism. Um, then during the day, it doesn't really matter, to be honest, because you're in what's called the circadian dead zone. The system shuts down and it's not going to make a difference. Then around evening when the sun normally would go down, even though there's very little light, try and get a little bit of light in your eyes in the evening before the sun goes down. Just a touch, you know, two minutes, you're good. That actually will protect your system against light in the middle of the night, which we'll talk about next. Now, a couple little points because people always ask about this. Um, how long? Two to ten minutes. Can I wear sunglasses? I already said it before, but people always ask again. Try and take sunglasses off. Unless you have a retinal degenerative condition, you'll be fine. Never compromise safety, but you'll be fine. Just get some light in your eyes. Can you use artificial light? Sure. Bright LED lights will work, but sunlight is better. But if you're in Northern Europe, you're not gonna get much of that. But on an overcast day where you can't see the sun coming through, there's actually a lot of photons, a lot of light energy coming yeah. through. This will set your testosterone rhythms in men, estrogen rhythms in women, it will keep your mood elevated. A lot of people have depression because they're not doing these basic, simple behaviors. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then, it, sorry, will this work instantly? Is it like a like yeah? You'll notice. Do you want? Yeah, you'll notice. And then, in, and and really, it's, it's what it's, you do consistently, it, like exercise. You just yeah. feel better. It's huge. It's like, huge. I just just an exact an example of that. The weekend, I have my little four year old with me, and we. It's like kind of my rest day or whatever where I can sleep in longer. I don't have to be at the gym. So I slept in till, with him until like like 9 a.m. And then it usually I'm like right on that stuff with the sunlight and everything and kind of stuck in the house for an hour or two and then I came to the gym to meet you mm -hmm. at like 11. So I've been in the house for a couple of hours and I realized that I was in the in the kitchen making coffee and stuff. I was like, I'm kind of feeling tired. Ugh, I'm like, Ugh, what was wrong with me? And I just went and stood on my patio for like five minutes and, and I just like got the sunlight, yep. put it on. came back in, I was like, like just instantly, just it's, five minutes. It's a game changer. Increased, just and metabolism, hormone rhythms, even people who are having, can't, there's a phenomenon called uh, ER psychosis where people are in the emergency room for other things and they go psychotic because of the rhythms are all completely oh, off of the lights. Amazing. So, and then the other thing is try and avoid bright light between midnight and 4 a.m. Now, 
look, you don't have to do these things every day. If you miss a day, it's not gonna you're not gonna right, right. dissolve into a puddle of tears. But if you get bright light in your eyes in the middle of the night, this system starts getting shifted. Yeah. So try and stay off your phone in the middle of the night. Now, some people work nights or they, for safety reasons, like don't compromise safety or, or, or yeah. your work, but try and stay off it. Here's why. There's a discovery this last year from a good friend of mine, Samar Hattar at National Institutes of Health, showing that if you get bright light in your eyes in the middle of the night, it turns on a depression circuit. Wow. So just like you have dopamine for reward, there's a circuit in your brain for disappointment and depression because mother nature wants to tell you, don't do this behavior, mm -hmm. do this other behavior. And there's a huge incentive for having a species that are all mostly awake at the same time and interacting with each other, most asleep at the same time. So here's a, so get light in your eyes early in the day, ideally a little bit in the evening, and then try and stay off your fo uh, your phone and bright bright lights in the evening. If you have to, you know, of course, if you're gonna watch a screen, dim the screen. Or if you're gonna have light lights in your home, devices, right? yeah, use, you could use blue blockers if you want, or just turn down the lights a little bit, keep yeah. them low, and keep them low in the room. Overhead lights are the worst, because the cells in the eye that view these things, they look up, because they yeah. wanna see the sun. So lights that are low in the room, you know, if you've ever been to Scandinavia, they keep these low lights in the room, you know, in the evening, oh, yeah, yeah. it's great, you sleep. These are powerful things for controlling these chemical systems. Yep. So that, and then the other ones would be, you know, and your listeners are probably already doing this, but regular movement, you know, move, right? Try yep. and move, social connection. So we hear a lot that, about oxytocin, this feel-good molecule when you hold a baby or you see your mate or whatever. Um, well, I guess mate means something different in Britain. When you see your, your partner or your, 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 your mates or your mate, anyway. Um, you know what I mean. When you see people that you love and you care about, you get this release of this chemical called oxytocin. It's another feel-good chemical. But there's a really interesting finding from a group at Caltech that shows, just over the hill there in, in uh, Pasadena, that shows that when you are in regular social connection, face-to-face -face connection, texting won't do this, you suppress a molecule, it's called tachykinin, that, can, that creates stress and anxiety and fear and and injures the immune system. And so you have to think about, well, the reason I keep going back to mother nature and evolution is there are certain behaviors that we're rewarded for and make us feel safe and good and capable of pursuing goals and feeling healthy yeah. and being healthy. And then there are certain behaviors that do the opposite. And a lot, and we'll talk about supplementation next, but a lot of times people are looking for that external thing first. Right. And they're not doing these, what I call foundational behaviors. And then you could take all the supplements you, in the world that you want and and it's not gonna create the, the effect you want. And the things I'm talking about also are cost-free. Mm -hmm. What they require is a little bit of discipline. Yeah. But now's the opportunity you can just weave back in that dopamine. Every time you go out and get that sunlight, also reward yourself, be like, I'm actually doing something to make myself yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. So in any event, those are I want to make sure that I got oh, those create, out. Yeah. They create, like, they, yeah. they like the foundations, right? We should we should all be doing. Yeah, and even here in Los Angeles, you know, you see people in the morning, dark sunglasses, in their car, on their phone, in the cafe. It's like they're living like cave bats. Yeah, yeah. So you me, know, yeah, yeah. I've got one tip for everyone. Even you, you might already do this about your phone, not on your phone at night. Is leave it downstairs on charge. Like I charge mine up downstairs now. Like you know, so I can't go go to it. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll not check the time for it. I've got all my notifications off on my phone as well, which is which is mm -hmm. great. You know what I see sometimes on Facebook or or Twitter or wherever someone will post, I can't I can't sleep. It's like what the fuck are you posting that for? Obviously, because yeah. you're on your phone. Yeah, That's sure. why. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, <laughs> leave, leave your phone downstairs. Yep. Get all your notifications off. Yep. That is huge for me. It's huge a, for productivity. A huge a huge thing as well is like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth signals as well. If like so now I'm losing a smart plug. Oh yeah, people are, I and don't I know much about so, this EMF and 5G thing. It's controversial. Yeah. There's some articles about this. I, really? I haven't seen the data yet. I, I, for your hard driving, super ambitious folks out there, right? Because I have a feeling people who kind of, you know, follow you probably have, you know, really going for it. I promise you, the people who are going to succeed to the greatest degree in life, relationships, career, all that, are gonna be the people that can control their relationship to these devices. I'm not saying get rid of the yes, devices, 100%, but can 100%. control them. Just like the people that can go to the buffet and say, hey, you know what, I'm gonna eat this stuff to feel was, good, maybe a little extra. <laughs> 
you look at them in 10 years, they're going to look one way. And you look at people who are just like cramming all this in their yep. in their mouth and you're going to see diabetes and obesity. It's, interesting just, it's just it's another way in which nature is asking That's us yeah. to control yeah. our behavior. It's interesting That's you great. went there because a minute ago when we were talking about addiction to phones, I was going to say, it came across my mind, I was like, if only we'd have learned as a species to do this with food because yeah. we're still like yeah. by the yeah. millions trying to figure yeah. that out, you know. Altheanine, yeah. can we talk about that? Yeah, so let's talk about supplements. Here's the thing. I want to be real clear just because um, it's important that I say this. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't prescribe anything. I'm a professor. I profess lots of things. So what I'm going to say is what I do. I, I really can't make recommendations and everything people should run by their doctor. Just this is the, the, the reality, you know. There's not one size fits all. So here's the thing. Sleep is the, whether or not it's for learning or for brain health or immune health or endocrine health, sleep is the biggie, right? Getting consistently getting good quality sleep is probably the number one thing that you can do. So a lot of people have trouble sleeping. So what do you do? Well, there are a couple behaviors that I mentioned, the light, getting light in the morning, et cetera. But there are things that can help people get to sleep. And I've recommended these to friends. Uh, this is what I do. So trouble falling asleep. Some people take melatonin. Melatonin is a hormone whose job is to suppress puberty during development. That's why I don't take melatonin. Okay. The, the um, so I don't recommend melatonin. Melatonin promotes the, the transition to sleep, but it doesn't actually keep you asleep, okay? So a lot of people who have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep find that if they take magnesium, yeah. They supplement with magnesium. They have an easier time falling asleep. I have a quick question on melatonin real quick, just while okay. you're on it. Um, does supplementing with melatonin um, affect your natural production of it? Most likely, yes. Yeah, because yeah. that's why I stopped it. I used to do it a little bit, and then I started microdosing with it yeah. instead because I, I was reading a few things that regular supplementation can suppress your I'm not a fan production. of melatonin because it suppresses puberty. Right. And in adults, it does similar things but i've all uh, so now i also heard that it's only effective it's, it's super effective when traveling through time zones so that's the only time that i'll take it now so i don't know yeah i mean valid that is but I, i've had pretty good results you can recover from taking melatonin yeah. but i it's not what i do yeah so supplementing magnesium yeah. is helpful so the form of magnesium is important mm -hmm. so things like magnesium citrate yep are going to be great laxatives but they're not going to be great sleep aids right okay Things like magnesium malate, M-A-L-A-T-E, yep. are gonna be great for recovering from um, intense exercise and muscle soreness, but they're not gonna be great for sleeping. Magnesium threonate, T-H-R-E-O-N-A-T-E, mm -hmm. is a good way for me, and a lot of people find, to transition into sleep more easily. It tends to be a little bit of a sedative, and there's also some evidence that it's neuroprotective which is great, right? Everyone wants to keep their neurons healthy. Yep. Theanine, which is T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E, -E, works through a slightly different pathway called the GABA pathway. And a lot of people find, and I certainly find, that 100 milligrams to 200 milligrams of theanine about 30 minutes before sleep can help them with the transition to sleep. Yep. Theanine, you now find it, it's being um, used in a lot of like sports drinks and stuff because it kind of offsets the jitters from caffeine. So yep. now that people are taking it during the day too. Yep. People with anxiety sometimes find that taking a very low dose of theanine throughout the day or even magnesium threonate can yep. help calm them out a little bit. If I take it I fall during the day, I fall asleep, you know? And so um, that's why I don't do that. For men, there's a supplement called Apigenin, A-P-I, G-E-N-I-N, -N, which is essentially a derivative that's found in things like chamomile, like chamomile tea. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's also very good at promoting the transition of sleep. So I take 50 milligrams of apigenin, 200 milligrams of theanine, and 300 to 600 milligrams of magnesium threonate 30 minutes before sleep. And I sleep like I clubbed over the head with a, by a gorilla, yeah. minus the, the head damage. If you don't take them, can you still sleep? And if I don't take them, I can still sleep. I just sleep deeper. Right. Now, people should know that if you have an, a theanine can cause these kind of intense dreams. But I've recommended these to a few folks. Uh, one would be Nick Hardwick, former NFL player, who told me, um, and I feel fine you know, sharing what he said, that you know, because he's tracking his sleep really carefully, that it greatly extended the amount of deep sleep that he was getting. Right. So when you wake up after a night of deep sleep, 
you know it, you feel amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, neuroplasticity, the ability to learn, is triggered and created by intense focus during the learning, during this physical skill training, hitting mitts, while reading that book, that strain that you felt in your brain, mm -hmm. those high attentional states, yep. that sets the process in motion. But the rewiring of the brain, the, the healthy rewiring, occurs during sleep. The repair of the brain happens during sleep. So there's this washing out the, right, of bicerebral yeah. spinal fluid yeah, yeah. that occurs in deep sleep. So the the great thing is sleep is, is reparative, restorative. It helps us learn, helps us recover from any injuries we might have had to our brain and to the rest of our body. But now what's happened is people are talking so much about how important sleep is and now people have sleep-related anxiety. So what, I'm, what I've tried to provide here are some tools, morning light, evening light, staying yeah. off bright light and avoiding bright light in the evening. Theanine, apigenin, and magnesium three and eight. I do want to mention apigenin should not be taken by women because it's a pretty potent estrogen inhibitor. So for men, that's in most cases a good thing. Mm -hmm. And for women, you know, you wouldn't want to do that. But again, anyone if they're thinking about um, taking these things should talk to their doctor. Um, they're all legal and available. I have no stake in any any of them, right? Just to be clear, yeah. I just have found tremendous value for me, just given my schedule and how the importance of sleep. Yeah, no, I think it sounds great. And I like what you're saying about the importance of sleep because it helps rewire your brain, is that what you said? Rewire your brain when you went to learn, to learn new things, to restore and repair the brain. Repair the I brain, mean, yeah, it, there's work. evidence that deep sleep washes out some of the, the stuff that can lead to things like Alzheimer's and dementia. The plaques, so, right? The plaques. And yeah. so people, it's not that we need to be sleeping 12, 13, 14 hours a day, although teenagers should probably be sleeping a lot, yeah. but we need that deep sleep. So anything you can do to maximize deep sleep. Can I give one more tool? Yeah, go yeah, for quick. it. Yeah, that's one. One more tool. Okay, so one more tool is everyone I believe also should learn how to relax their brain and know how to turn off their thoughts. It's really hard to turn off your thoughts. Yeah. There's a practice and you can just look this up on YouTube um, called Yoga Nidra. N-I-D-R-A, or sometimes spelled N-I-D-R-E, where you just lie down and you listen to one of these scripts and you do this while you're awake during the day. It takes about 10 minutes mm -hmm. and it teaches your system how to relax. People who do this consistently, maybe you know one to four times a week, you'll find you can fall asleep much easier, stay asleep much deeper. Yeah. Totally free, totally you know available. You know, safety margins are huge. Check that out for sure. Yeah. You know, our, what was that I mean, quote? Sleep meditation. I made a quote up before and it was like, uh, our brains are not inside of us. We're inside of our brains because I think... You're inside our, your head all the time. We're inside our head all the time in every aspect of life. So I really believe that whatever we can do to improve our brain, we should do. And what the things that you've been seeing on this podcast is great. This is 100% part one of maybe part two, or part three, whatever, because we could sit here all day and speak to you, mate. Uh, and I know you've got a shit ton of uh, tips and educational stuff on your instagram what's your instagram account yeah it's huberman lab h-u-b-e-r-m-a-n-l-a-b i teach a little neuroscience there daily posts um i give some references to some tools and practices right. i try and make it accessible yeah, yeah. so check check that out and uh yeah like, like i said on the instagram post the day, if you if you want to get your brain better which we all should you know you need to check out your instagram and uh yeah, I mean, thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah, thanks, thanks so much so for much having me on. Been, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm uh, honored and um, and I look forward to more. Let's yeah, do ne it. Next episode's going to be a supplement special because I, I could talk about this stuff all yeah, day. Yeah, this, this is Glenn's supplement <laughs> cupboard there. Yeah, yeah that's pretty. Yeah. yeah, we could talk about supplements. Uh, all Yeah, I've spent a lot of time in, in that space. Do you know about examine.com? No. no. Um, so examine.com is a free website where you can put in any supplement any uh, compound and it'll tell you, you what it's got what's called the human effect matrix mm. and it'll put three arrows if it's a big effect up or down so it'll be like blood sugar three arrows it means it increases your blood sugar then it has a link to the study yeah. and it tells you who was done in was it like postmenopausal 90 year old women or was it 14 year old hypogonadal kids or was it like standard you know healthy young males gives you all that examine.com examine.com check that out yeah check that out too everyone thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed that i'm sure you did and uh, until next time we'll see you later